On this week's episode of Watch It and Rank, we are quarantined, full freaking lockdown, but that didn't stop us from watching some movies, two to be exact. But before our reviews of Frozen 2 and Zombieland, we are talking delays on all movie productions, straight to demand movies, and Apple looming over Disney. Plus some goat talk and a preview for next week. Taylor, I see you're in your PJs. Take it away. We're screwed, so let's hit it! <laughs> we are here, March 17th, day two of working from home quarantine. I am in Scranton, PA, and as you can tell... Scranton? With What? what? With my shitty-ass mic right now. I didn't bring my stuff home, so terrible on my part. Bad planning. What a clown. What a clown. I mean, how bad I brought does my sound? stuff, man. Come on. You didn't even go home. You're still in your apartment. That's right. I am home, bro. This is my home. My tiny one-bedroom apartment. All right, so give me give me the lowdown. What's What's the quarantine... And the lockdown like where you're at right now. How are you and Caitlin going to get through this whole thing? So for me, it's actually been really nice because I'm just crushing through work. And nobody's like stopping by my desk to bother me and ask me for stuff. So I'm like crushing through stuff. And it's been really nice. Caitlin, on the other hand, is like going insane. So she's, you know... She's actually going through and like scrapbooking, like legit like <laughs> scrapbooking ideas for our new kitchen and stuff for like the new house that we bought, you know, casually right before the market and economy are about to collapse upon itself. Um, so yeah, she's working through that right now. So that's, that's what she's doing. And then trying not to go insane and trying not to have me drive her insane because I'm like on conference calls pacing around our apartment all day and she's just stuck here. I mean, it's not a bad idea to be doing that for, like, if you got nothing going on, it saves a lot of time for when you guys finally get into the house, right? But yeah, if I can, yeah, that's, that's a, a big if and if. That is, Scott a, Micus. that is a big if as of right now. But yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, we, Karen and myself, left Philly, and actually drove up here uh, to my parents' house on Saturday night because we figured having more space and yeah my roommate is you don't want to be, be in a city for all this exactly my roommate is home uh her two roommates would be home so it would just have so many people working in a small ass apartment that it just kind of seemed like a better option plus my mom's cooking homemade meals but we very quickly found out that my dad is just going off the radar he is so fed up with all of this <laughs> That it's just an act. It's an absolute nightmare, actually, being here. <laughs> what is it? Just like, did you wash your damn hands? No, he, Jody, just, will, wash your he hands. just will come home and he's like, I'm sick of it. I'm so tired of it. So, somebody give me the damn virus so that I could just build immunity to it and this could all be over. Yeah. He's so angry with all. Deep. Well, that's like, I don't know how true this is, but Kyle like kind of reinforced this like last night when we were talking, but. I think the UK is taking like the opposite approach from everybody, and they're just kind of like, they, screw they it. That. Oh, they, 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 as of like last night, they went back on all of that and basically were like, all right, we're going into full lockdown. Yeah. I mean, yeah. which is good, dude. I mean, I feel like, I mean, I don't know like all the numbers out there and the confirmed cases versus the non-confirmed cases and all that stuff, but and maybe we are behind the curve, but like, I feel like you need to just immediately shut shit down just get so, it done like, i've been watching every task force um news conference right and they just had the one for today trump was up there with all of the doctors and basically from what like my mom will always look at our county and pa pa actually has no confirmed new confirmed cases in the last day and a half which is kind of nice um, but the, the people or the doctors are saying one specific thing. It is always coming down to one specific thing as, and it is if young people such as ourselves do not 
take this serious and help in the efforts, we're never going to get through this because you got people that are taking $50 flights across the country to go do this or go all to their favorite restaurants before they shut down. It's like you guys are the freaking problem. And it's until those people understand that this is a legit threat and get home and stay home for the remaining weeks or whatever, yeah. this thing is going to continue to go on through the summer probably. Yeah, they just need to totally shut down domestic travel. They're going to already have to bail out the freaking airline companies. So they might as well just say, like, you know, two weeks from today, the last flight, like, domestically or internationally will happen. So if you got to get home, get home. Because that's the only way it's going to be able to stop it. And all these freaking idiots, like, I'm looking at, like, through my Instagram feed and all these freaking boneheads we went to college with are, you know, like, doing bar crawls for St. Patty's Day and, like, getting drunk at bars. I'm like... You guys are freaking moron. I mean, it's the exact people that I would expect to be doing it, but you know, that's yeah. It's thing. it's our generation is the damn problem because they think they're invincible, and it's just it's kind of annoying. And I like, I want to get through this. I mean, we're talking now uh, that this is potentially eight weeks we're gonna be in this kind of state. Obviously, I think those are all estimates right now. I think it's a little, uh, you know, drawn out. But you know, we're 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 thinking about canceling weddings, uh, postponing major events. This is this is yeah. crazy stuff. It, it's it's absolutely insane to think that it's gotten to this level when when you really do go back and look at the facts, it's the flu. It's the flu, but That's it's it. just it's really spreading rapidly and there's just too much that's what it's all about. Flattening this curve so that the healthcare can take care of the sick because if you can take care of the sick, it's fine. Just like the normal flu. But if it just happens to spread so rapidly, so quickly, and this, this curve goes high, then the healthcare providers aren't going to be able to take care of anybody. That's the, that's the biggest issue. It's almost like you talk, you look at the strategy and everybody's talking about like flatten the curve, flatten the curve, which like I, I understand because you want to keep, and everybody's, I'm sure everybody listening has seen this curve that we're talking about. You want to stay below that dotted line, which is like the maximum threshold of our healthcare, you know, in our society. But at the same time, it's like, personally, I almost think that we shouldn't try and be flattening the curve. But I wish there was a possible, and this isn't possible, but in a way that we could just raise that, you know, healthcare threshold and, you know, maybe build all these new hospital beds and like basically give us, give give ourselves the resources necessary to deal with it because flattening the curve makes it last a lot longer than just having it spike and go away. But obviously if it spikes and goes away, you know, a lot more people are going to unfortunately die from it, which is obviously horrible and that's why it's not an option, but... You know, it's this is just going to linger and linger and linger because no matter how hard you come down on people, unless you do like a straight up like military martial law, nobody's allowed to leave their house. Like it's going to go on forever. That and I mean, yeah. How do you enforce it? Right. Do you have cops out? And if there's people driving around and they pull them over and they say, what are you going out for? And, and you know, tell them to the, the grocery store to make sure that's where they're going and. It, yeah. Well, I heard it, that's what they're doing in Italy. Like, you have to carry a like written note with you that says, "I left my house at this time to go to this grocery store to buy groceries, and yeah. planning on coming back to my house at this time." So that when you get, they like will pull you over and check you, and if you don't have that proof, then you get fined like millions of or not millions, but, like hundreds of euros. No, I mean that's that. you got to find people. I agree. I think you got to find people because it's just. It's insanity, man. It's really freaking insane. I can't believe man. it. So it's just yeah. Uh, it's just gonna be so interesting to see how the economy handles it. Like how they're gonna be it's able gonna to bounce back. Well, no, back. I mean, but I don't know though, because it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you break something, and yes, you can do financial stimulus, but those people still have to like go out and get jobs. And then not only that, but this is going to be, I mean, markets are tanking. Everybody's panicking now. So like that discretionary spending is going to be so much lower for people across the country, because even after this, when we're going to be quote unquote recovered, 
people are going to be scared to like go out and spend money or they're going to be used to not spending money on all these things. So we're not going to be, you know, stimulating the economy. That's not a bad point in terms of not uh, being used to not spending the stuff. I mean, I look at it from a more of not necessarily consumer, but like from the small business perspective, right? Like my dad is in banking, he's a loan officer and you know, they're talking about how they're going to basically suspend loans or have different plans of you can pay interest pay or principal or nothing defer it for year or a couple months until obviously this all blows over. And, you know, that's how these, these small businesses that are going to have to shut down during this are going to be able to get by. Like they're not going to make any money to pay off their loans. Yeah. So all of those things are being brought into consideration and we will figure it out. Um, I'm not super worried about the economy yet it, in the long run. I think that in the long yeah. run, it'll bounce well, back. It'll always bounce back, obviously, right, right, right. in the long run. But like, think the whole thing about financial stimulus is like, you got to think about how many hands and how many corporations this money has to flow through to get down to like the average Joe working yeah. like a bartender job, right? Because, you know, think about what you just talked about. Like your dad as a loan officer at a bank. So the financial stimulus will probably help support those banks. So in turn, those banks can help defer those, you know, mortgage or, you know, you know, loan payments that these people who are affected by ultimately are shutting down their businesses. But then those businesses who are having those payments that are deferred ultimately have to backfill or support those employees who have been out of work for all that time. So it's like, is that a matter of those businesses coming up with their own strategy on how to get these people back in and employed? Or is, you know, our, is our unemployment, you know, through the federal government, our unemployment insurance, is that enough to really support these people? So there's like a million questions and it's like this huge trickle down effect. And are you going to really be able to trust everybody from top to bottom to like, you know, not take their cut and do the right thing after things yeah. are affected? So for it's sure, for sure. super complex. And unfortunately it's like, you know, we're a country of 300 million people. So it's, it's not like one person at the federal government level can just, you know, snap their fingers and have pocket, like money in the pockets of everybody at the lowest levels of the economy. So like there has to be this extreme amount of coordination with the states and the local municipalities. And it's just, it's a nightmare to think about logistically. It really is. Well, the one thing that we can, you know, say with this quarantine or this self-imposed lockdown, whatever, is that we have so much time to watch some stuff. But don't we? Yeah, yeah. Have you watched anything yet? Um, yeah, I've been getting, like, crapped on with work right now because things are just going off the rails. But uh, I have have watched some stuff. Okay, yes. let's hear it. Let's hear what you're watching. Let's talk about what you're watching first. Okay. Um, myself. Well, we have been finishing up. Actually, we just did finish up um, Shit's Creek on Netflix. It is – have you heard of Shit's Creek? Yeah, I watched the first two eps, and I was like, all right, this is a little too ridiculous for okay, me. Okay, so, and, and I, I want to try and ease you into that because I totally agree. First – couple episodes i'd say almost the first season so it's about a um it's a it's a sitcom 30 minute uh 30 minute episodes canadian show with eugene levy who is the dad from american pie and his son uh in real life they're the creators of the show and it's basically about this rich family who was taken advantage of and their accountants were embezzling their money all of this and they go poor and have to move to this town called Shit's Creek that the dad bought the youngest son for his birthday. And so they own the town, and they go there, and they live there, and it's basically just them adjusting to life and becoming actual normal people in society. And it is a really not – it's just a tough watch in the beginning because you kind of hate all the characters. Is that yeah, what you're it's like, Yeah. <sighs> It's just like those people don't exist, right? Even like the most obnoxiously like annoying, fake, spoiled, rich, one percenter, like, you know, pop culture people, like even they're not that absurd. Like some people have, there's at least a sliver of self-awareness in everybody. 
they're all caricatures. And after you kind of settle into what the show is, it's just hilarious. And the mom is the mom from Home Alone. Uh, Home Alone. Yeah, she's she's the Home Alone mom, and she is my favorite character because she just talks with this weird volume difference where she'll just say things and her whatever she enunciates will be in a different volume and also every time she says the word baby she pronounces it bebe b-e-b-e so if they're talking about a baby she'll just be like oh and the bebe and it's just so freaking funny it's a really good show a lot of good messages um I, I recommend it. So that's what we've been crushing through because it's all five seasons on Netflix and then season six is happening right now. So once that comes on Netflix, that will be what we finish up. And then I've been watching Star Wars Rebels after I finished Clone Wars. Rebels, awesome. So nice. good. Yeah. The the animated Star Wars shows are freaking killer. It's funny because I've been watching a ton of The Chef Show. Um. The, oh, uh, you know, Favreau Filoni. The Favreau, or, Favreau show. Yeah, yeah. yeah so <clears throat> he's – like I'm on season three of it, so I'm almost at the end unfortunately because it's like the most lazily put together show of all time. But just but watching awesome. it, yeah, like he's clearly – like in the beginning he's filming Lion King and then clearly he makes a couple Star Wars references in some of the new episodes. So it was when he's working on The Mandalorian. So yep. like yep. yesterday I was watching an episode where they go to this Jewish deli and they, they're like – working with this guy and they're making locks right so they're like going through the whole process taking the salmon and you know curing it and everything which is really cool to watch and then they're making uh matzo ball soup so they take just basically a ton of just gigantic whole chickens throw them in this like like 100 pound or like 100 gallon like pressure cooker and inside the pressure cooker is like, you know, a bunch of vegetables and stuff like that. But he basically takes the lid off this pressure cooker and he is like inspecting it. And his little Asian buddy who's with him all the time, Roy Choi, Roy, he's like this yeah. amazing chef. He's like, I see you getting some ideas for a movie over there. And he's like, yeah, I'm actually, you know, imagining this being like in the Star Wars universe, using this as like a shield or something <laughs> like the top wow. of this pressure cooker. So it's pretty funny just to see kind of how his mind works. Um so, I mean, I love that show so much. It's so too. good. It's a good the one. only thing that, like, kind of bothers me sometimes is, like, Favreau tries to come off as, like, like, he's trying really hard to be, like, a chef, right? He's trying really hard to, like, learn. He's, like, very teachable. And he always listens to Roy, and he, like, knows his place and everything. But, like, yeah. Sometimes he kind of gets a little cocky and thinks he's better than he is, and he's like, "All right, so this is how we do this," and he'll like kind of go about his thing, and then Roy will be like, "Nah, that's not how you do that, man." Right, so it's, right, right. It's pretty. It's a pretty good dynamic between the two of them. Roy is like my favorite character in the whole well, show. Well, you know that that Roy is what the movie Chef is based off of, right? Oh, it's based off him. Yeah, so he's the one. That... I thought he just trained him for the show. No, he he did, but it's also based off of him. Um... He was the one that, um, I think it's like a Kobe, not a what the the truck is. Yeah, but... yeah, his truck. It's um... yeah, yeah, and that was the idea behind the movie. It's like a Co- Quigo, something with a K. I know that much of it. Uh, but yeah, that's who the movie is based off of, and. That is why he's Kogi. With him. Yeah, Kogi, Kogi barbecue. Kogi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's where they got the inspiration for, and it's amazing to see that you know they're such good friends still, and that they do this together. I mean, I'm sure he's his chef on all of the productions that he's doing, and I know in the one yeah. episode when they had uh, Robert Downey Jr., the Russo brothers, and Feige. Mm-hmm. They were talking about how every Marvel movie that they do, and they Holland. have a day where they bring the Kogi truck, and they oh, do, a, they do okay. a day on set where the truck comes and cooks all the food. So that's a nice. really cool little gig, and I, yeah, I love that show too. It's it's fun to watch. And I love how he just like picks it up wherever he's at. So like they did an episode from like the Skywalker Ranch. They did an episode like he was clearly collabing with sam raimi so they did like a whole bread and pasta ep with sam raimi that's like the one i just watched the best episode of the entire show though is they go to this like oyster farm in the pacific northwest and they like go out it's like off of uh 
I think it's like off the coast of San Francisco. And they like go out there and they're like showing how they farm these oysters and they just go through like how they prepare them all these different ways. And it's just like an amazing episode. So I like watch that. The routine we've basically been in for the last like three weeks is Caitlin and I like watch something together. Maybe I'll like hop on Fortnite for a little and then she'll read and I'll watch an episode of the chef show. Cause it's just so relaxing to watch like a cooking show before you have a nice little glass of wine while you're Ah, watching it's amazing and it it just makes me so bad to just drop everything and just open my own food truck or some like small restaurant or something right because yeah there's just so much pride involved in owning something calling it your own and like mastering one thing so i think it'd be awesome but simple life less stress for sure well i feel like it would be more stress because you're uh, running like every payments, aspect yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh, it's it's definitely more stress. I think I feel like it's higher stress, higher reward, at least from like a satisfactory standpoint. But yeah. I'm just a sucker stuck in the rat race and, you know, working yeah. through spreadsheets and integrating companies' Aren't financials. we all? Okay. So is there anything else on the uh, the streamings that you've been, been looking at? Or not yeah. too much? We've been watching... The Magicians some more. Okay, okay. Um, that's all right. It's kind of weird, but yeah, it's I figured, good. I figured Acting's after pretty a, decent. a full season, you would kind of maybe be out of it. Yeah, it's something that I absolutely never want to watch, and Caitlin's like, come on, we got to watch an episode, and then I'll watch it, and I'll be like, all right, that was okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not as corny as like a Sabrina or like a, you know, one of those weird shows but it's it's all right well you know what you should do is have a fast and furious marathon even though they pushed that back a full year so now you get you get to spread out your viewings of that of that franchise yeah now we gotta watch frozen 2 yeah it's on disney plus now we gotta watch uh some other things that are coming out a little bit early, but uh, all right, we'll, well let's get back on that train. Now let's uh, let's stop talking about this because there's too much to talk about in the movie news. Oh man, I literally will open up a website, so I get a lot. We get a lot of our stuff from Screen Rant who sources their stuff from mostly THR, Variety, and Deadline. But I feel like if you open up Screen Rant right now, all you're seeing is this has halted production. This has halted production. This is being pulled from the studio release slate. This, 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 all due to coronavirus. So I wanted to ask you... What were your biggest properties that you saw being pushed or being delayed in production that you're upset about that we're now going to have to wait for, you know, another period of time? I mean, I'm actually more annoyed because they're doing it just like one movie, one production at a time. Like, I don't know of really anything that's currently continuing to go through with production or continuing on their current release schedule. I feel like studios almost need to just come out one at a time as a whole entire studio and be like, our studio isn't releasing anything until this date, you know, that kind of thing. Because it's, it's really just annoying to keep getting all these alerts and being like, Oh yeah, duh. Like no shit, obviously. But I I saw that like, um, not AMC, maybe it was Regal. I think it was Regal. Regal like shut down all their theaters across the country. They are, yeah. So that's that's pretty crazy, which is pretty smart because you know probably just want to stop all that cost. But well, yesterday it was announced that AMC and Regal were going to do fifty percent less capacity in any given showing, and then fast forward just a day later, and now they're shutting everything down because it's kind of government-mandated. Yeah. So, and those theaters are so gross sometimes. It's yeah. just getting compounded day by day, and I think that... So, like, as we're recording this, I just saw that Black Widow is now officially delayed. It's being pulled from May 1st, which is over a month and a half away. 
right? And I don't think that that's – I think that that's not too premature because I do think that in five weeks we're not going to potentially be through this. But I also do think that we don't know the severe extent of it in the U.S. right now and that after two weeks, if everything is going to plan with people being smart about their containment, in two weeks this could very well be a different story. So I think – I, I, to your point, you need to either come out and just be all at, all out and say we're we're stop we're pulling everything, or you need to, in my opinion, kind of wait a little longer until we're closer to these release times because I I think, you know, anything over five weeks, in my opinion, is just a little too premature right now. So I don't think it is premature because, and I actually had this conversation with somebody yesterday when they were talking about how. You know, like the NFL draft at the end of next month, all those events are being canceled. And this guy was like, what I the hell? The That's so on. Well, the draft is still on, but all the like events surrounding it are being canceled in Vegas. Oh, um, gotcha. So he was kind of like, like, what does the government know that we don't know that everybody like three, four months out is canceling all this stuff? And it's like, yes, to us and to the people who are watching these events or going to these events or attending these like concerts and things to us, it's yeah, you just show up and you go and a performance is put on and it doesn't seem like anything, but you know, coming from project management, it's like there are millions and millions of dollars and thousands and thousands of hours and countless people behind the scenes of, you know, a series of events that need to happen before a movie gets released, before a concert happens, right? Like think about a concert, right? You got to drive all the different material and equipment to the actual location. You have to plan with the venue around a million different things. You got to, you know, and then not only that, but if people are coming to these events, you want to be cautious of their time. And, you know, if people haven't booked their travel already or haven't booked their hotel or something, you know, you want to get the word out so that they don't go ahead and you know book these things to try and get to this location if it's going to ultimately be canceled. For sure. Yeah, I, it's a good point. It's just, I guess I don't want to believe it. <laughs> um, but everything. I don't think there's anything that is currently in production that hasn't been halted due to something. Um, and it's a smart. It's a smart safety decision it's the it's the stuff that's already done in the can that's supposed to be released that i'm just like wow i wish we could just get it and that kind of will bring us right into the next story is that universal has now decided to put their theatrical movies that are currently in theaters right on demand video on demand and i think that this is great but i also think people need to understand that it's super easy for universal to do this because they own comcast and they own vod so for these movies to go straight onto their platform so quickly like that's a given right you don't have any there's no red tape to to handle out deals behind the scenes of pricing or anything with those uh, movies because they're just straight up owned by Comcast Corporation. Now I did see a report that Warner Brothers is putting Birds of Prey and um, The Gentleman, the Guy Ritchie movie, on video on demand next week too. So uh, those are those are going through the three month window sort of thing, and we're gonna get those sooner. So question to you is, obviously this is got to be the move for the next couple weeks do you see any other studios following suit and if this is successful do you think this is the end of movie theaters as we know it i was gonna say that's probably the bigger <clears throat> underlying story right because if they're able to negotiate these deals up front like this and figure out a way to build out their you know financial modeling to determine how they can effectively price this whenever they, you know, bring these movies straight to these streaming services and they realize, you know, what they need to do to make a good margin on these things and have a good success rate. I mean, they might just, this might just be the future. You never know because think it's, it's, 
cutting out so much of the cost. And if you're able to effectively negotiate and build these relationships and, you know, potentially even they could bundle these things, right? So like a, like an MGM or one of these studios that aren't associated with like a Disney or a big boy who has their own streaming service, they could go to them and say, you know, Hey, we have a, you know, every, they could do it once a year where they say, Hey, we have this slate of movies that we're guaranteed to deliver here's the five movies that are involved. Here's kind of what we think they would be tracking at as far as like a, you know, viewership perspective, or here's kind of what the box office predictions would have been in an old day, like start the bidding process for this slate of movies. So that kind of just could be the process and the model moving forward. And you cut out so much of that cost. I think that, wow, there's so many layers to this because I don't think that this is 1000% the future. There will always be movies that just should be seen in a theater. And two, I don't think that people are going to realize that just because these movies are going online or whatever or video on demand so quickly, is they're not going to be cheap. Otherwise, you're not making money, right? There's a price point that has to be hammered out, and that is going to be the biggest determining factor because you think about – Taking a now, I think it all depends on on the type of movie, right? If you got a kids movie that's coming out there, and you got a family of four watching it, you take them to the theater without concessions. That's fifty bucks. Concessions, you're looking at sixty, seventy-five dollars just to go see the movie. So if you're telling me that that movie is going to be put on VOD, it's not going to be twenty bucks. It's going to be at least forty, fifty bucks yeah. to to see just maybe once. So there's a price that has to be hammered out, and that is such a crucial factor to this. I think for the foreseeable future with what we're doing uh, in terms of the quarantining in the country, yes, this is going to happen. Now, you're not going to get Disney to do this. You're not going to release Mulan on VOD. Um, They're not going to put James Bond or Black Widow, none of those movies, but – I think what is the real thing here is that these smaller movies like The Invisible Man or The Hunt for Universal that are going straight to this, I think that that is the bigger factor because those movies, in my opinion, should go straight to these. Yeah, so I think that's the exact middle ground, right? So in my perfect world where we could click our fingers and totally race and rebuild the infrastructure of the movie industry, it would be you still have the AMCs and the Regals of the world, but you could scale it down to a point where you have, you know, maybe three theaters or four actual, you know, viewing rooms in each movie theater where you yeah. go in, but they would be souped out, tricked out. We have the recliners, the IMAX, all that really nice stuff for those big blockbuster releases if you want Absolutely. to see it in that format. But as a part of that model that I was talking about before where these studios could put out their, you know, future like releases for the year out as kind of like a slate or like a menu for these companies. Yes. These companies like a Netflix or a Hulu or any of these streaming services, they don't have to be one dimensional. They don't have to be nine ninety nine. That's your price. They could go in and say, Hey, nine ninety nine, that's your price. But we, in the new model, if you want to see all these new releases as they come out within the first year, then you pay, you know, nineteen ninety nine a month, and you get access to every new release that's hitting straight to I, our service. I, I, I agree with that. That's a do a like a tier kind of thing. That's a good idea. Yeah, exactly. So you can wow. unlock access to you know sure. those new movies, or pay that lower rate and wait for that year until they come out to like you know wider release. Absolutely, that's actually a great idea. Now, one more thing that is maybe something to to look into is that. Earlier this year, I think it's called the Paramount Decree, which forbade movie studios from owning movie theaters, was voted down from legislation. And this has been in place for a long time. So, just hypothetical here, with Regal, for example, shutting down theaters across the nation right now, and, you know, how whatever they're going to lose in, a, in a, this time period... Could you see the uh, studios such as the mouse going in and saying, we're going to take over this, 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 this. We're going to have 10 theaters across the country and they're going to be our Disney theaters 
only showing our Disney movies and not only our new releases, but we're going to have three screens designated to showing classics. Yeah. That we on a rotating thing. I like and that. it's an experience of Disney that's not just another movie theater. Yeah, I think that's an amazing idea because I mean, but they would have to scale it down original like, you know, a little bit more than they have currently cuz you need the draw of a new release to bring people there. But but I get what well, you're saying. Course, I think it course. could work for a Disney too because you know, people are always trying to go out and see these old movies as well, kind of in that bigger format. So it could be more of an event thing. But yeah, I just don't get how movie theaters still survive. Like, I feel like there's going to be some point where it just doesn't become financially li- like, like you know. Well, it it the reason that they're only surviving right now is because we live in a world where this shared cinematic universes and these blockbusters these event films your star wars your marvel team-ups those yeah. have kind of saved the the movie theater industry in the last 10 years but they don't even get like those box office dollars i don't know what the exact breakdown is but they get like pennies on that but it's the concessions man that's where they've always made their money is concessions which is insane because all the concessions are booty cheeks. Right, right. You got That's... some like fourteen-year-old pimply kid squirting some, you know, cheese on a bunch of stale <laughs> chips. It's garbage. Yeah, but that's where they're they're making the money, and nowadays more of the newer theaters that are being remodeled are offering booze and that food, that dine-in service, and I don't know how many people actually are doing that, but I'm sure if you if you go across the country, it kind of adds up, and that's where they're making their money because I know for a fact if you are agreeing to show a a Marvel movie, you have to put it in the theater for three months. And you have to guarantee this amount of showings. And so, yes, they're losing money because after like three, four weeks when the next big thing comes out and this movie is still being shown, you can't put more of the other movies that people want to watch in. So, yeah, the negotiations that you have to go through with these big studios is ridiculous, which is why I think that studios owning their own movie theaters is the way to go. Yeah, I mean, even in that model, though, they're losing money even if they own those theaters because they're not cutting out a lot of cost by owning them. They're actually probably shooting themselves in the foot by taking on this dying like brick and mortar model. But that's what I'm saying though. Like it's, it's fine. It could still be like completely, you know, you could have it, but you would just need to scale it down. Like you don't need 20 theaters or 24 theaters in each, you know, in each theater. Yeah, agreed. Okay, last last story. Um, this kind of is an interesting one because the stock market obviously has been in the shitter, been tanking, and there was a report from THR that said that be on the lookout because Apple could be eyeing to buy Disney or make a bid at Disney because Disney's stock in the last two and a half months has fallen from about 140 something to a measly $90. What do you think would happen? I, for one, don't think the Disney board would, would, would go for this. And let's say hypothetically, if it did, what would an Apple Disney world look like? I don't think it would happen in a million years. There's no way. There's just, like, way too much behind the Disney brand. And, like, yes, their stock price is lower, but the actual market cap, like... Are you looking it up up right now? Yeah, because the Disney market cap's got to be absurd. Yeah, it's one point seven billion. Or yeah, it's one hundred sixty-five billion. One hundred sixty-five. Yeah, one hundred sixty-five point seven billion. Like. Yes, let's see how much cash Apple has. $107 billion. I looked at this the other day. <laughs> Am I right? I, 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 can, uh, I don't have it offhand here. I'd have to look, at, <laughs> look it up. It's $107 billion is what the article said. That's like, uh, it would never happen. Because that's from a transactional standpoint. Even if they you know, did do some sort of transition and went through an acquisition process where they levered themselves a little bit, it's like, Apple's not going to put literally all of their 
apples in one basket. You know what I mean? Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. And also, I mean, Apple's trying to get into that Disney, um, into that streaming game right now. And obviously, Apple Plus, I, I, I don't think is doing very well, given I haven't heard anything about it. Um, it would make sense for Apple to, to go for this. And also, what's even crazier is after reading Bob Iger's book, uh, that the relationship that him and Steve Jobs had, I never knew that him and Steve Jobs were essentially best friends before Steve Jobs passed away. It's actually a fascinating uh, chapters to read because after the merger between or after the acquisition of Pixar from Disney, Steve Jobs was the largest shareholder on the Disney board. Uh, until he passed away. So he was instrumental in so many of the decisions and him and Bob Iger kind of just worked together. So it's crazy because if, if Steve jobs was still with us, this would happen. This would have already happened. Probably. Uh, I don't know. Between these two companies. I, I don't, it, it's just, who knows, but I don't think it will happen. I, I just don't think the government would ever allow this. To happen. That's what I was going to say. I think that the government wouldn't let that happen. If they're having this much beef over a T-Mobile Sprint acquisition, when Sprint is like hobbling on its last breath, then yeah. there's no way that they would let Apple you know, buy out Disney. Okay. Well, then I guess we're both in agreement there. I thought that was just a little fun tidbit to throw in there because that was just insanity. Uh, but all right, well, let's kind of gloss over the fact that we can't go to the movies, and so we just watched two things uh, to review, both of which have been out for a considerable amount of time. So let's play a game for our listeners because <laughs> we each saw two different movies. And I want to see if the audience can tell which movie I saw and which movie you saw. So we're going to play a fun little game. We're going to review these movies, and we're going to talk as if we've both seen them and then see if they can determine what's uh, what's what. So let's get into the first movie review, which is Zombieland 2 Double Tap. Believe it or not, Twinkies have an expiration date. Someday very soon. Life's little Twinkie gauge is gonna go empty. Time to nut up or shut up. Zombieland 2 Double Tap. The whole cast is back, I think, what, like 10 years later? Is that how Yeah, long full it was? decade. Yeah. Insanity. Um, you got Tallahassee. You got uh, Wichita. And what, what was, uh, what was the, the younger sister's name? Uh, because Wichita uh, was was Emma Stone, right? I mean, this movie no, came Wichita... out back in October. This movie came back back in October. Oh crap! I don't even remember. Tallahassee is Woody Harrelson, right? I think Tallahassee is Woody Harrelson. I know that one for a fact. And who was Jesse Eisenberg? I think character? he's like Columbus or something. Oh yeah, Columbus, because Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And okay. then yeah, maybe they. I don't know. One of them is Wichita, and one of them. Is, I don't know. I'm it's, not sure what the yeah, Wichita is, is Emma Stone, but yeah. So, oh, Little Rock, Little Rock was her name. Got it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. Do you want to jump into the story for this? Sure. So, story. We can do a pretty abbreviated version. So I'll run through all three. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Story. Two reviews. Um, it's kind of like a re, not really a retread on the original, but they pick up right where they left off. You know, you got Emma Stone and Jesse Eisenberg kind of having some, like, quote-unquote marital issues or lack thereof because, you know, they're, like, together. And then Jesse Eisenberg, you know, kind of wants to take things a little serious. And he proposes at one point and it freaks her out. And, you know, they end of course, you know, things end up breaking down. They're separated and all this stuff. So, Right, and then they meet that other group that's kind of like a mirror of them. Uh, yeah, exactly. Owen, or Luke Wilson. So yeah, it's kind of a, a retread of the original, and that they have this mission that they're going to to get to. I think they're going to the White House, right? Yeah, because they're all well, they live at the White House originally, and they're all comfy there. And they're like, ah, oh, this is the shit. We live in the White House. We like got this mansion. It's like really well protected. Like we're good. Nobody's gonna fuck with us. And then basically, you know, she. Emma Stone runs away, and they're like, oh, we got to go find her, and that's when they like, kind of cut loose, and they meet those other people who are actually at, um, oh, what's it called, Graceland, like Elvis's home, so they yes. go there for a while. 
Uh-huh, uh-huh. So they're chilling there. Some stuff goes down. And then, yeah, it's like pretty much a whole story where they like meet other people and they kind of all realize they can't just be this like secluded family and they have to kind of branch out a little bit with some other survivors to really grow as individuals, yeah. especially like the little kid because, you know, she's just, just been with this family her whole life. She's never had friends her own age. So she wants to kind of like experience life. Exploring and all that stuff. growing up in, in this post apocalyptic wasteland. And, and I mean, yeah. I don't know about you, but I kind of felt that it was a little too late. Um, yeah. Ah. 10 years 10 years later just kind of didn't maybe recapture the magic that the original had because I, I remember seeing the original i, I loved the original yeah it, if they had a better the story was actually probably the problem because all the same like quips and tricks were all there and they had like the you know like rule number two rule blah, 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 yeah, blah. Yeah, yeah which was like half of the fun of the first movie was like setting up that world and kind of showing all these goofy things so it was kind of yeah, you didn't really know what to expect. So all these little things that they had and all these little like, tropes were introduced and it hit hard the first time, but not so much the second time because you kind of knew what was coming. Um, yes. But and that just kind of goes into the – let's go jump into the execution then. I just – again, I felt like it being 10 years later, like the performances weren't bad, but they just kind of felt like a money grab. I don't know if it was a money grab because they all really wanted to do it and they wanted to further the story, but it just comes back to the story kind of stinking. But from an execution standpoint, all I want to say is that little that little girl from the first one. Uh, yeah, Little Rock. Yeah. Yikes. Abigail. Bre- I think her name is uh, Abigail something. Abigail yeah. Brez. I think it's Abigail Breslin. Yeah, Abigail Breslin. It is like really mean, but she did not age very well. Oh, I know, I know. Well, yeah. she's in that like weird age, probably, right? Let's see how old. Oh she no, is. she's probably like eighteen or nah, nineteen. She's twenty. She's twenty-three. Yeah, exactly. So that means she was like thirteen in the original. Yeah, which is yeah. fine. And I'm not trying to like hate on her for like her looks, but I'm trying to hate on her for her acting. Didn't really. Yeah. Well, she really hasn't done much since there, but also the fact that. Yeah this movie kind of takes place, picks up kind of after the first one. It just kind of is a weird transition really, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause so. they have to kind of explain away this 10 year gap, but there's an interesting like new girl that they bring in. That's kind of funny. Her moments hit sometimes they don't always hit, but all yeah. in all, it made me feel nostalgic, happy. I watched it. And a nice Bill Murray surprise. I mean, yeah, everybody yeah. should know that a Bill Murray surprise is going to happen. And yeah, some fun cameos along yeah. the way. So it was, it was fun. It was a good time. Yeah. You're not going to like, like I would definitely watch it again for sure. Cause it's still, you know, fun movie to watch, but you know, it's not going to make you uh, go back and want to rewatch it a thousand times. Like I'd rather I'd watch it. the original. I'd agree. The original was, was better for me. And yeah, it just was kind of run of the mill. It happened. Um, again, I didn't need this movie, but I wasn't upset that they made it. It was good to see the characters again that you loved so much from the first one. And I hope that this is it. I hope they don't go on with another one, but I just feel like the zombie thing, it's not that it's played out right now, but, uh, back then, 10 years ago or whatever, the, the zombies were, were all the rage. Now you got The Walking Dead in its 10th season or whatever, and it feels like people just don't really care for the zombie material at this moment. Yeah, and they like try to introduce like a new form of zombie to freshen things up, but it's, right. it's like, yeah, it's whatever. I give it a 6.9, right on the threshold. Right on that threshold? Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to come in at like a 6.5. Uh, it'll be below for me. I didn't, I wasn't as, it didn't fulfill my need that I wanted from seeing the first one recently uh, to lead up for this one. Just wasn't there for me. Gotcha. All right. Well, let's let it go. See, that will all make sense when I am older. So there's no need to be terrified or tense. I'll just dream about a time when I'm in my aged prime. Cause when you're older, absolutely everything makes sense. This is fine. All right. 
next review, we're just going to fire through these. Um, Frozen 2 just popped up on streaming. Disney Plus uh, came out in November, I believe. Uh, and this one, again, direct sequel from the first, which can you believe the first one came out close to like seven or eight years ago as well? I know. No, that's 2014. Maybe it was like 2014. It was Might 2014. 2014, yeah. Movie Mans. Or 2013. Yeah. Um, so this one picks up again right after the events of the first. 13. And Arendelle, which is what Elsa resides over, is under her command. Very good. And everybody's having this kind of we don't want things to change mentality, but then uh, some un known voice interrupts Elsa's way of life and she decides to chase after what is coined the unknown and basically find out about her mysterious past. That's the story. It leads us on a new adventure into a new area where magic is is been uh, suppressed and they're kind of re- releasing the magic and having the world that they live in uh, the synergy of magic and humans be re- restored. Um, it's very adult. Yes. As opposed to the first one, it's a lot more adult. That's very, why... A lot more of adult tones. It's less fun in games and a less like getting to know yourself story and more of a, all right, we've set up the characters, but now it's time to like really take this thing broader. Yeah. And, and just kind of, get a developmental of you know the events of the first one it almost doesn't go back and do a retelling of the first but it it gives you more understanding of of the events of the first ones through this discovery of of their origins or Elsa's powers right um so that's a story i think that each of the characters had a great side story olaf i mean did you loved olaf in the first one right josh gad yeah and in the second one yeah i agree in the second one he was so funny his existential crisis of getting older and wanting to learn more i mean his song with uh what what was it called everything will make sense when i get older it was it was amazing i loved that one um so him, Kristoff, and Sven, their love story, you know, trying to propose to Anna throughout the movie. It was fun. It was a little played out. But what was your favorite song? Hmm. That is a tough one. I mean, there's some good ones, right? I liked – so Into the Unknown was really good. But I also was a big fan of Show Yourself. Hmm. Yeah. That was a good one. For sure. <laughs> that was pretty awkward when Elsa comes out and, you know, she starts singing that and then everybody else joins in and it's very magical. Yeah, that's a, it's a, it's a quite the build up there. Damn, dude. Damn, we were going so good. So good. Um, well, anyway, yeah, I think this story, to me, I think the music was better. Uh, I, I think I'm in the minority there. Music was better than the first one. And I like the story better. It was more more mature. I'll go to execution real quick. The animation in this thing was absolutely unbelievable. It was so lifelike and realistic. It was it was cleanest animation I'd seen in a long time. From an execution standpoint, uh, I thought the voice acting was great. Again, top notch. I am absolutely appalled at the Oscars for not nominating this thing for best uh, animated feature. And I can't believe Toy Story 4 won. It blows my <laughs> mind that this wasn't even nominated yeah. and Toy Story 4 wins. I didn't even see Frozen 2, and <laughs> I think that Toy Story 4 was probably worse because I did not like it. Yeah, it, it was. it's a travesty. It's a sham. Uh, but, yeah. And then from a feel perspective, this movie really does build on that first one and the the friendships and the relationships that all of the characters have. And by the end of it, you are, I mean, I'm clamoring for a third one. I don't know if the story, I think the story will call for it, but who knows? Cause it took so long for this one to get made that if they did just end it with this, 
I think I'm okay with it, but I, I do love the songs and, and the, the, the characters. So if they were to make another one, I'm in. There's no way they don't make a third one. No, way. I think so too. It made so much money. Um, and then, you know, there's all the critical reception wasn't as good. So is it a failure? I hate those people, but doesn't uh, matter. Fro- the mouse Frozen has got to pay his bills. Truth. Frozen 2 for me was <clears throat> probably an 8. 8.4. Really good movie. Nice. Right. So now we will finish off the show with Goat Talk. We're just two goats on a boat. Two goats on a boat. Goats down to our throats. Two goats on a boat. And for this goat talk, I thought we'd do something a little different since we're a little underprepared. And let me get your thoughts on this. But let's do a collaborative top three list of movies we should watch while we are quarantined, locked down, full effect. Could be coronavirus related or just a good movie to watch while you're in a lockdown. You down for that? Let's do it. Okay. I think the first one that needs to be watched is not contagion don't watch contagion that'll just get you scared (laughs) right yeah but maybe some bozos we know do need to watch contagion yeah for real um you you what what's one that you would say so i feel like you're gonna want a movie that's gonna help you escape reality gonna make you want to feel like maybe you're not in this world maybe you're on another planet Maybe you're in another universe. Yes. So I think, you know, this is probably a good time. I feel like this this series ebbs and flows. And I'm not the biggest proponent of this movie series, but I think it's probably a good time to dust off those old DVDs and crack open and do a little uh, Harry Potter marathon. I'm so happy you just said that because I couldn't agree more. I think a Harry Potter marathon is where you got to go. You don't have to wait for another movie. You have all of them already done. You can just go through the whole thing, escape to the world of Hogwarts and the magic. And, I mean, you could watch one a day. That's eight days. Yeah. And it's like the perfect balance of, you know, they are very secluded and they're always pretty much always at Hogwarts for the most part. So, you know, they're yeah. all in one little spot, but it's like this magical world. So you kind of feel like you're escaping a little bit. I think that that is an absolutely fantastic recommendation. I might take that recommendation because I own all of them already. Yeah, me too. I actually might do that. And I haven't seen them in a long time because I just don't have ABC Family to have a nice little Harry Potter weekend, uh, which they probably are having at this moment. I wouldn't be shocked if Harry Potter weekends are a thing. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That is an incredible incredible little uh, recommendation. Now, I'm going to go with something maybe a little more fun, nostalgia-driven, and since you're home, why not watch Home Alone? One and Home Alone 2, Escape from New York, which is I think is a better movie. <laughs> I... I think the second one's actually better too. It's a very, uh, not a very popular opinion, but I like the second one better. I think that the people should go out and watch Home Alone, or not go out, stay in and watch Home Alone, Home Alone 2, Escape from New York. It's a little levity. It's funny. While you're home, you can maybe uh, think of some ways to prank the people that you're with as well. Maybe light uh, or soak a rope in kerosene my god that's the best harry you wear an aftershave <laughs> it's Marf, so good ah. oh, it's the greatest it's the oh, greatest bandits yeah pretty <laughs> good stuff yeah so i'm going i'm going home alone because i think that people the people need to have some levity in there nice okay i think people need to watch for my second movie and this is probably not good because it's probably going against everything that I was saying on how people still need to have faith in our economy and the markets. But <laughs> I feel like just so people can, you know, 
get used to a little bit of the lingo and understand what's going on. And obviously it's a much different situation because, you know, we're heading towards a recession, not because of a, you know, financial system flaw that's readily prevalent, prevalent at least on the surface, but, you know, might be something that we uncover here in the coming months. But anyways, if you want to learn some of the lingo while also being pretty entertained, I would watch The Big Short. Ah, The Big Short. That is probably a smart thing to do for people that have invested their money or are looking to invest their money. Yes, I agree. Given what's going on, The Big yeah. Short. Also, just a very entertaining movie. The way that it's done and the way that it's told with the – what is it? Like the celebrity um, cameos that – go through and explain all of the lingo mm-hmm. it's like a stylish movie yeah. um and it's good go it's ahead. good to know that even after all that shenanigans happened and all that shit hit the fan that we are a resilient nation a resilient economy a resilient capitalist structure and it shit will bounce back eventually. absolutely absolutely okay Big short. I love that recommendation. My next recommendation is is going to not be a movie, but rather a TV show, a TV series, something that I think is maybe on Netflix right now that you can go through and, and get get through it all. But I haven't watched it in a while, and I'm just going to throw it out there. I don't know how it's aged or not aged. But I think that it's time I go through and do a rewatch of How I Met Your Mother. I can't agree with you there. It's painful to rewatch. Really? See, it's the one of the main three, four um, 30-minute sitcoms that I normally do, whether it's Your Office, Your Friends, Your Parks and Rec, and How I Met Your Mother. It's the one that I haven't done in the longest amount of time. And I don't know, maybe, maybe it'll be fresh It'll be fresher for me to to go through and do so. I actually might do How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, I tried. I tried like a few years ago. And it's just not as like bingeable as you would think. Because you think back on it and you have this like fond memory of all the characters and all the stuff they had to get into and stuff like that. But it's, I don't know. It's not like a metaphorical page turner. Right, it don't it doesn't make you want to like keep going. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I did love some of those characters, and I do remember a lot of hilarious moments. But well, there I'll are great moments. I'll give sure. it a shot. I feel like once I get to season maybe six, uh, I I would feel that way because I feel like it didn't end all that strong and was yeah. dragged out. So maybe it it'll be more of just the beginning seasons, but. I'm going to try it. I'm, if it's on Netflix still, I'm going to give it a go. Nice. Maybe it'll make you want to come down in October so we can go to the Renaissance Fair. Oh, oh my God. Look what I won at the Renaissance Fair. Oh, bash! <laughs> <laughs> that is a great scene. All right, last one for me. Now you got my mind thinking on uh, TV series and ones that people should watch. Right. Actually, our buddy, shout out, CMOC. AKA Chris, AKA yes, yes. Kyle's cousin and yep. full-time squad member and listener, avid listener of the show. Shout out Chris. Shout out Chris. He is now watching and Kate and I are like fully caught up. So we're watching the episodes as they come out actually. Okay. It's a great show that everybody should watch. It's very underrated. It's kind of like Shit's Creek where you got to get, got, got to get over the silliness. The first I couple think episodes, I know what show we're talking about here, but this is, the NBC sitcom currently on TV, Brooklyn Nine Nine. So great Brooklyn, show. Brooklyn Nine Nine. I've seen a few episodes and I'm with you on it. It is a funny show and it isn't a. It's like an Emmy winner, big time. It's it takes a it takes a lot of stuff home. It's Sandberg, man. I'm a big Andy Sandberg guy. Yeah, it's a great show. The characters are amazing. It's like off an Office type show or a Parks and Rec type show. But it's not as uh, it's not as formulaic, or maybe not formulaic. It's not the right word. But it doesn't have like the you know confessionals and stuff like that, and looking at yeah. the camera and that kind of stuff. But it is like a very self-contained 
story and it's like quick cutting i don't know it's really good editing characters are really good okay um it's a good show i recommend it for sure and you breeze through it so freaking quick it's like one that you want to just keep watching keep watching keep watching is it i believe it's on who like can i watch on hulu yeah, it's all on Hulu. Yep. Beautiful. Okay, maybe I will actually start that because I have not seen that all the way through. And I kind of want to do 30 Rock too. I've heard such good things about 30 Rock. So maybe those will be on my coronavirus lockdown list. But my last thing is going to be completely off the radar. It is just your game show network. I was sitting there. What? I was sitting there this morning down in the kitchen. It still exists. A, yeah, dude. Having a cup of coffee with my mom and Karen and I were sitting there and there's this show on. <laughs> no whammies, no whammies, no whammies. No, dude, no, no, no. It's evolved. It's different stuff now. But I'm watching this show called uh, America Says. And the host is, I don't know if you remember, the host is the guy from The Breakup that was on the dinner, dinner table scenes. Like, and Gary on the kick drum. Come, come on the kick drum. That's Gary on the kick drum. Come. You know what I'm talking about, that guy? No. Don't know who I'm talking about? Oh, no. Hang on. If I you gotta... would mention anybody in that movie oh, besides Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Aniston, I'd be like, nope. No idea. All right, hang on. I got to find it. I can't believe you don't know his name. He's also from uh, Pitch Perfect, one of the announcer dudes. Um, oh, you're really explaining a uh, A-list star right now from his uh, John Mike John Michael Higgins. All right? Search no idea. Jo- search John Michael Higgins. You'd know exactly who he is. But anyway, he is the host of this, and it is basically like uh, Family Feud. Ah, oh, this guy, this yeah, cornball. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's the host, and it's basically like Family Feud, but they will say a sentence like, "When I say the word jewelry, Americans will think of what?" And so there's seven answers on the board, and they give the first letter of the answer, and you have a minute to go through your team of four and cycle through and try and answer all of them, and it's kind of interesting because you're sitting there like throwing out these answers and some of them are very easily said but like the last two letters in that example were z and t and all of the other answers were like diamonds gold engagement and then there was a z and a t and it was tiffany's and zales because they're jewelry stores so it's you go back and forth you're trying to accumulate points and just win all the money it was interesting there was also like a blackjack card sharks kind of show with uh uh what's his name carlton was the host so check out game show <laughs> network man it's actually kind of interesting i didn't even know that still existed dude that's yeah. absolutely absurd do you remember like i don't know about you or if this was like a normal thing when we were kids but i used to watch game show network and it would be like reruns from like card sharks from the 70s and i used to all watch the time that. Eh. yes so okay stupid all right, that's it. Uh, let's quickly talk about, because I know this has actually gone very long, but we will talk about real quick. Next week, we're going to do Jumanji, take it to the next level. Done. All right? Yep, pumped about it. Saw the first one. Loved it. I heard the second one's great. Same. It's on demand, so we will be watching that. We'll come back next week. Thank you guys for joining us on our lockdown. Taylor, I'll talk to you next week. See ya. See ya.